It's an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the laws are complicated and constantly changing, the wisest and safest way to keep track of them all is to call elder law attorney Michael Cohen. Having devoted his career to informing and protecting the elderly, Michael communicates about the law in ways that you and your loved ones will surely understand. Join us now to know your legal rights with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here's Michael and Don. Once again, welcome to another Estate Planning Essentials program, exceptionally and assertively committed to protecting your family, your assets, and you. And I'm virtually sitting with Dallas Elder Law Attorney Michael Cohen. Hello, Michael. Hello, Don. How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? Doing great. Good. I let you off the hook. I didn't give you a middle name today or a middle initial so you don't have to guess or wonder what I'm referring to. We're just going to go with Michael Cohen, C-O-H-E-N. Good enough? That's okay. There's a okay. lot of us out there. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. But I don't think anyone like you, and I'm looking forward to seeing you today uh, with our masks on and talk about my estate planning, which is important, I think, and everyone knows that you're my attorney, and this is another reason to come see you to do an annual review and to address things that have changed. And you want to do that again today for our listeners so that they can understand exactly what the rules are, what could happen how relationships change your needs and desires. And especially today, Michael, you want to talk about family protections when it comes to probate, and you have a story or two. And what does this all mean for the listener? Well, first of all, a lot of, you know, a lot of times you think, well, whatever somebody's will, or if there's laws of intestacy as well, if somebody doesn't have a will, mm-hmm. that let's say you have a will and, um, a lot of times people don't realize that there are certain protections for the family, even if that person had been disinherited, mm-hmm. or there's protections for them for creditors, etc. So I guess that's what I'm going to start off with is the creditor exemptions. Okay. So, you know, let's say that somebody dies and they have a home. Uh, the home, just, just think of it like bankruptcy law. Mm-hmm. A homestead is generally protected from lawsuits, from creditors. Mm-hmm. Well, same thing. Even after the person dies, the homestead, if it's that person's homestead, uh, also is protected. Would I say if it's that person's homestead, I'm talking about like a surviving spouse or a minor child or an adult child living in the home. So even under our Texas, you know, under our Texas Constitution, this goes back to the agrarian days uh, where we wanted to save the family farm. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the unmarried adult child living in the mm-hmm. home, mm-hmm. Uh, so if there's an so even if there's no parent alive and there's an unmarried adult child living in the home, that is protected from lawsuits. So if the deceased owed a lot of bills, they couldn't take that home from the unmarried adult child or the surviving spouse, or if there's a minor child. In addition to that, the there's like and this is the same thing as like in in uh, bankruptcy. There are certain protections of personal property. In fact, you have protections from lawsuits of up to $100,000 in personal property. So some of those things would be like, uh, for example, uh, home furnishings or family heirlooms or obviously food or mm-hmm. farming or ranching vehicles or tools, equipment, um, some if you're clothes, two, actually two firearms in Texas, mm-hmm. 
protect our firearms. Mm-hmm. If you have athletic or sporting equipment, and bicycles, and if you have uh, a, a vehicle for each member of the family who holds a driver's license. And, mm-hmm. uh, there's even things for going back to, you could tell from the Constitution, but going way back, uh, if you're like in a more rural area, you get, I think it's two horses or mules or hmm. donkeys and saddle and uh, <laughs> 12 herd head of cattle and 60 uh, types right. of li- uh, head of well. other livestock and 120 fowl, so that's chicken or turkeys or uh, <laughs> besides your pets. So uh, you could have $100,000 of those types of personal property items and creditors cannot get to them. So good. even, yeah, so you're, so the good news is you have some creditor protection um, after you die for those close. Uh, and, and it should be even noted that on that home, let's say the home uh, is then later sold. And now right. uh, that, let's say that spouse had the home. Unless it was like a creditor, like a, if you had, let's say a purchase, uh, purchase money, if you had a lien on the property, let's say a deed of trust or mortgage. Other than that, if it's just a general creditor, the proceeds from the sale are protected also Mm. from general creditors. So let's say you had uh, a home that was $100,000 and there was a $20,000 lien due for the bank for purchasing the property. The the bank would might be able to get that twenty thousand where it was owed, right. but the other creditors could not get to the other eighty thousand. Fascinating! It's, it's amazing that back then they were so compassionate about um, the home or the I guess the beneficiary who may Michael have been ignorant to the rules and laws, and then and the deceased may have been ignorant to the rules and laws. So it's nice that the government would step in and protect them. Yeah, I mean, again, we wanted to. Texas is a very strong homestead state in particular, yeah. and um, so we wanted to protect originally the family farm. Right. Uh, we, we even, you know, we even utilized this just as a uh, going extrapolate a little bit more, going back into the now I'm going to switch into the Medicaid world, which I know is not what our topic is, but mm-hmm. uh, when we and because uh, I was involved in this part of the legislation, I might add, uh, years ago when they. Um, you know, on your home, the state has a right to make a claim against the home to the extent that Medicaid benefits have been advanced. Mm-hmm. So when we were in the negotiations, the federal law, uh, under the federal law, states could go after anything they wanted to, or they have to go through things, things that went by probate, which is either by will or intestacy, uh, without a will, which means mm-hmm. without a will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in the negotiations, on we wanted to protect the family, so... What we did when we were t- when we were lobbying with the legislators uh, was to say, look, let's have the pro- in, in um, our protections for Medicaid estate recovery, where they go after the home, for example, or the car. We said, let's go by the protections that are afforded by. Uh, you still have the protections afforded by the Texas Constitution. Mm-hmm. Well, so if there was an unmarried adult child living in the home, and that that per- person's parent was single and um, was on Medicaid, it's an exception to the rules. And remember, we've talked about ladybird deeds as another exception, how we could handle things. Well, an unmarried adult child or a surviving spouse, um, just like we talked about just a second ago, is also protected from the claims of the government even after that surviving uh, spouse dies. Right. So uh, anyway, so, you, the, so creditor protection is the first thing that we should be aware of 
uh, on your assets, whether you have a will or you don't have a will mm-hmm. for your for your child. Uh, I mean, I see if the child's a minor or if it's an adult child living in the home or if you have a surviving spouse. The next thing I want to mention would be about set-asides. Uh, so when you have, when you administer, you know, the executor or if you don't have a will, it's called the administrator. So when a lot of times when people have to go to court uh, to pay bills, uh, you know, probate is not just transferring title to assets. It's also the responsibility to pay any the bills of the um, of the deceased. Mm-hmm. So uh, if they don't have a will, it's typically what's called administration, although uh, you could have administration when you're an executor as well as just that most people's wills say that the executor is independent of court supervision. Uh, but in any, in other words, they don't have to go back to the court every time they, you know, have to pay a bill or sell something. Right. Well, the executor, uh, if you have a will, or the um, uh, administrator, if you don't have a will, or whoever the administrator is, I suppose you could have a will and have administration. So if they didn't use the word independent, uh, in your will, and a lot of these forms that we see, like these, I'm not going to say when these platforms are online, where the mistakes that they make is that they don't say that the executor is independent of court supervision. When they do that, when those free or those cheap forms that you get online, that means that you may have to, it may cost, it may be a valid will, but then they end up having to uh, pay more to the attorney because they have to go back and forth before the court every time they do something. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, uh, the the executor or the administrator has a responsibility upon request, if it's an executor, even if it's an independent executor, to set aside uh, the use of uh, certain property, like those personal property items that I mentioned, mm-hmm. or the, have to set those things aside for the use of the family. And okay. if you have a – where you do have to go to court, uh, then it falls upon the court uh, if somebody applies. So it's really – Somebody does have to make the request to set aside that property for their use. The other thing is, even if you have separate property, so let's say uh, this we see this a lot of times in second marriages, that somebody has a home. And let's say the person that owns a home has children from a prior marriage, and there's a, a surviving spouse. Uh, even if that person's will says everything to my children, the surviving spouse, even if it was separate property, has a right to live in the home for the rest of their life. Wow. So they have the right to use the homestead. Uh, or if, they, you know, if, even if there's a, a minor children of the deceased uh, as well, that would also be protected. Uh, so if you cut out the minor children and said all to my new spouse or something mm-hmm. like that, uh, sorry, the minor children have a right to um, if the homestead is protected for the use of that minor those minor children or the surviving spouse, uh, and they have the exclusive right to the homestead. I might add, uh, even if it's separate property, as I mentioned. So uh, now, of course, if they. Uh, they do have obligations. It doesn't mean that you don't have to pay your bills. So uh, if they have to maintain the property or pay the property taxes or, you know, if there's a mortgage, they're going to 
have some interest, mortgage interest they have to be responsible for. Mm-hmm. But they have the, uh, as long as they live there, they have the right to use and occupy the home. Ooh. So it could have been, that, mm-hmm. you know, for uh, there's, unless it was like a kind of a false marriage, it was done under false pretenses. It's very unusual. Uh, but the, but normally uh, the, the spouse has a right to live in the home. So I had that happen th- earlier this week, and I said, okay, a uh, husband was moving into the wife's home. I want you to realize that, um, you know, if, if you die, wife, that even though you've got kids, your spouse can live in this home for the rest of their life. So, uh, you know, this causes a lot of problems. I know a lot of times especially since the children of the first marriage, they want that new spouse out of that house as soon sure. as possible. Mm-hmm. And they get real upset. Uh, I remember I told this uh, to somebody uh, earlier this year, and they were a couple in their 80s, and their children just couldn't understand. And I said, look, I can't change the Texas Constitution. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just it's just the law. Yeah. And... Um, you know, they wanted to have wording that says, you're out of there. And even if the person's cut out and they didn't want the surviving spouse to get one dime, I said, they're still going to have the right to stay there. Mm-hmm. Well, so, um, young child and young heir, I got good news and bad news for you. The good news is you're going to inherit dad's home. The bad news is you're going to become a landlord for as long as his wife <laughs> Uh, survives and lives and so that's kind of uh, a tough thing to swallow and you know michael the whole purpose of this program is to have as little or no bad news as possible when someone dies because it's hard enough just to endure all the pain and suffering and emotions when someone is deceased whether it was planned or whether it was sudden and the goal for every individual that listens to this program is to prevent as many uh possibilities as possible that would undermine what they want, hurt them in some immeasurable or measurable way, et cetera. And the best way to do that is to attend your next workshop, which I understand is a virtual workshop, so it's online, it's not in person, and that is on Thursday, January the 28th at 1 o'clock. Is that correct? That is correct. All right. Well, tell them all about the workshop, please. Well, we ask every, we start off every workshop by asking people, what do you want to know? Mm-hmm. It it could be about oh nobody's asked about these in every any workshop nobody's asked about the questions that we've had here today maybe about the life estate mm-hmm. or a home uh, but generally nobody's ever asked about the questions we've talked about today and it was interesting this last one that we had earlier in January uh, I had a question even though we've been doing these for eight years there's always some question that you may never have had before. Uh, the, the one we had this last workshop, somebody asked about community administration. Mm-hmm. We're not going to go over that today, but the so there's lots of different things that, uh, and also that that was uh, uh, well anyway, it doesn't really make any difference. The the, the thought is that you never know what people are going to ask. It mm-hmm. could be about Medicaid, it could be about veterans benefits, it could be about estate planning, it could be about what's going to happen with us next year with the new president. Mm-hmm. What will it be about? Uh, IRAs will it be about who knows probate. We don't know what the questions are, but we ask people what they want to know, and then we kind of give a kind of a general description of you know a little bit about estate planning or Medicaid and and 
see what the questions are, and we answer those questions within the two-hour free estate planning essentials workshop. Uh, after, if you go to that free estate planning essentials workshop, we also give the option, but not the obligation, to even have a free one-hour vision meeting where we look at your individual situation if we haven't addressed the questions or we go into more depth and we see what it is and see what you know what if you're protected with your existing plan if you have one uh, and if not what you can do to protect your assets and your family mostly we think about what to do to protect your family because we think that's really what's most important just like we were talking about family protections today in probate we would talk about family protections in your own planning but Mm -hmm. whatever the case may be it's free yeah. No obligations. All you have to do if you want to go to that free estate planning essentials workshop is call 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. Or sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com. DallasElderLawyer.com. Very good. Um, some more, Michael, on uh, family protections during probate. Yeah, even like on that personal property, Mm -hmm. um, whether it be through uh, independent administration, like through the executor or dependent administration, if you didn't have a will and had to have the court be involved in paying the bills and stuff Mm -hmm. like that, that personal property must be set aside for the use of the surviving spouse or if there's an adult incapacitated child or an unmarried adult child living in the remaining with the family. So even if you didn't have a, uh, a home, um, personal property uh, could be set aside for the use of the family. Mm-hmm. Um, now, um, if it should be noted uh, that after the, you know, everything's, all the bills are ta- paid, if everything's paid, then it's going to go according to the terms of the will. However, if the state doesn't have enough to pay the bills, the surviving spouse or child, even if they were not named as a beneficiary, then they could still use the property even if it was been gifted to someone else, hmm. that personal property. Okay. And actually, there's even uh, – let's say you have uh, uh, a homestead. A homestead. There, the spouse can request an allowance instead of having the homestead. Mm-hmm. So in other words, it, let's say you have a home. But you say, you know what? I could. I'd rather have forty-five thousand dollars in cash. They can make an election, and um, and now they. Well, I say election. If you don't have a home, you can make an election. Or if the um, if the uh, if they if the equity in the home is less, then then they can make the election as well. Mm. So. Um, uh, so, so if there was no homestead, they could elect to have uh, up to forty-five thousand dollars from the estate. Okay. Yeah. So that's kind of different too, and must be yeah. more aware of that. And yeah. I think that, and actually, I think the, even the uh, kids uh, could get an exemption uh, on the personal property um, up to uh, thirty thousand. Mm. So, uh, so that's. Most people, I guess, you know, remember the old song, uh, Sly and the Family Stone or whatever it was called, We Are Family. Well, I guess 
we're a family. You're going to be protected, whether you're even if you don't, if you, even if you forgot about me or cut me out. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the Pointer Sisters or, or maybe, well, whoever yeah. it was. I, yeah, I'm not very good at that. I'm not, I think that, <laughs> that was a college song for me. I think that's why I remember because I remember the sororities always singing that song because that was the, kind of their theme. But yeah. yeah, that makes perfect sense. It's very applicable to what you're saying, and you know, I guess a lot of this makes sense. I don't think this is too ancient, and I don't think there's anything here to object to, do you? No, no, Mm -hmm. no. I mean, you know, we want to protect the family, especially, you know, if they have limited resources. You could even, the family could even ask for an allowance. Uh, They don't have enough separate property to take care of them. Mm -hmm. They can ask for an allowance to be maintained for a full year after the person died. Now, that means even if there had been a beneficiary designation on an account, got to take care of the family. So they can, now they have to make a request. So you say, oh, my goodness. I thought the beneficiary designations always superseded, but not always. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the uh, executor administrator can claw back to protect the family allowance. So, again, most people aren't aware of those types of things, but and they have to show the burden, you know, that they didn't have the separate property. Now, this does not apply to community property. Separate properties like either the property acquired prior to marriage or uh, if it was inherited property or if it was a personal injury accident, those would, or if you had a pre or post nuptial agreement, those would be all evidence of separate property. Uh, but if you had community property, things that were earned during marriage, whether it be wages or whatever, or things acquired together, even if one spouse never worked, mm-hmm. that would be community property. I bet you see a lot of clients that have to deal with this kind of situation, and you probably surprise them greatly when you tell them what the facts and rules are, especially when it comes to second marriages and and stepsons and stepdaughters. I, I just I can't imagine how much it goes on. Well, I mean, today, you know, there's the modern family. You know, it's yeah. uh, it's not the days of leave it to Beaver. Uh, so mm-hmm. uh, nowadays, there's all sorts of you know, it's not. A, I don't know what the percentage is, but it's pretty high, uh, probably maybe over 50%. That There might be a lot of second marriages. Uh, so it's just a, um, it just it's different uh, today more than ever, I suppose, that there's uh, you have to think about uh, planning uh, with uh, children from a prior relationship and, mm-hmm. uh, and marriages. Uh, it's just it's it's just very common. And so a lot of people are. Uh, unaware that there are these different family protections in probate. And so it's pretty shocking to most. And that's why I thought that this would be the topic of the day, just because uh, most people are surprised that they say, oh, gee, it's all mine. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> right. And so I could do with it. I, I could do with it whatever I want to. Generally, that's normally that's the case. But there are these family protections in probate. Yeah. I um, live in an apartment building here in Dallas, and whenever I walk my dog, uh, I see this other lady uh, with her dog, and her dog's name is Bear. And Bear's a big, furry, fluffy, a golden retriever. And we talk, and she said she went to Memphis over the holidays and just had to endure her stepmother, and they just fight all the time. And I've had one stepfather and two stepmothers, and... um it's different because uh, everybody is kind of fighting over the same thing, um, wanting uh, their time, their love, their attention. 
and um, it's just hard. And um, it's it's probably never going to change, no matter how far back in time it goes, all the way, no matter how far this our future is is going to always going to be those step issues. It sounds like. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's it's sad. Uh, what's also uh, needs to be said is that you said Sly. You were right, S L. It's Sister Sledge who oh. sings We Are Family, not the Pointer <laughs> Sisters. So both of us were kind of close because I had all women. You were kind of close because Sly and Sledge sound similar. But it's <laughs> Sister Sledge who came out with We Are Family, just to correct ourselves there. All right, good. Um, I'm but, glad to know that trivia. Yeah, it's very, very important. Uh, more importantly, um, sign up for Michael's next workshop because that's where you can get uh, the facts when it comes to uh, family planning, estate planning, and, of course, uh, government assistance. That next workshop, once again, is January the 28th at 1 o'clock, which is a Thursday. And the best way to sign up for that is go to DallasElderLawyer.com, and you can click to sign up, or you can call 214-720-0102 and talk to Jennifer, and she'll sign you up. And once you're signed up, then you click a couple times, and there you have a Zoom call where you can attend Michael's workshop from the comforts of your own home or your your office in your house, or on your patio, wherever you like it, in your car for that matter. Zoom works everywhere. Again, 214-720-0102, or go to DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com. Michael Cohen, thank you, sir. Thank you. A leading estate planner practicing law in Dallas, Texas for decades now, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the estate planning laws that can affect your family and you. The first step is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com to sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214 214- 720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on 770-KAAM for six years, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate and complete what could currently be a deficient estate plan. Make sure it is done your way and sign up for his next workshop today 214-720-0102.